We're going to be talking about, um, I, I think, one of the one of the greatest gifts God gives, and, and that's our. Sorry, tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about one of the, the great gifts that God's given us. And, uh, that's the gift of each other. Uh, we're using the term community or, or family or fellowship, um, but it's one of the wonderful things uh, God has given us. Um, the the people that God brings into our lives. Um, is, is a special thing. Um, and actually, just as I say that, I've, I've got to give a special welcome to, to someone who's been a real blessing to Miriam and I in our life, and that's our neighbour, Lorraine. So if everyone could welcome Lorraine, please. Thanks, thanks for coming along, Lorraine. Um, one of my, my favourite truths or, or, or sentences is that a church is not a building you go to, but a community you belong to. When I first thought, when I first heard that, I thought, you know, that's one of those things that puts into words something you, you always knew all along. Um, and when when we say we, we gather and we grow and we go, um, we're not we're not talking geographically primarily. We're talking relationally. We gather together around Jesus and His Spirit and and with each other. Um, last week we went to a, a pastors' conference and different pastors were sharing and one of the pastors was talking about his church and he said they'd come to a point where they realised, and this was his words, or her words, uh, we realised we had a crowd but not a community and that was a sort of a tipping point for, for their church and um, I'm pretty sure I can speak on all, all our behalfs and say that um, you know that's not what what we want here. We don't want to ever be in a position where we say we've got a crowd um, but we haven't got a community. And so I think the best way to to go forward looking at community and the best way to do anything really is to look at Jesus and look at how he did community um, and follow his way. Um, obviously community is a big topic. We'll just um, sort of look at a couple of, a couple of things tonight about it. Now to, to kick us off I've got a I've got a tragic story uh, and I've got a good story. So it's not like Infinity War, the tragic story is not going to be a year break until the good story. <laughs> it's going to be a couple of minutes. So I'll tell the, the tragic story first. And uh, this, I'm just going to quote directly from a, a news article on the web. Um, in 2011, police discovered Natalie Wood's skeleton on the floor of her Sydney home after her sister-in-law finally called them to report that she had not heard from the woman for the last eight years. Police determined that this death was not suspicious. The woman had no relatives except for her sister-in-law. The two had had a fight in 2003, so that was eight years prior, and they'd never spoken again. Uh, as the years passed, companies cut off the power and water to the woman's home, Centrelink continued to pay benefits to her account, which remained untouched. Neighbours told police they hadn't seen her in years and had just assumed the house uh, was vacant. Uh, it was estimated that the lady had been dead for several years. Um, so I just wondered, like, how does that make us feel? If someone could just say some words and how that made them feel. Horrible. Seriously, 
a horrible, tragic, seriously sad. Um, not. I'm not lonely. Lonely. Yeah, yeah. Concerning. Concerning. Yeah. I mean, I think you don't have to be a Christian to sort of sense there's something deeply wrong about that. Like, it speaks like our, our mind, our heart, and our soul knows that that's not the way things are meant to be. And we can certainly say that's not God's kingdom coming, that's not God's will being done. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's happening. You know, in a lot of areas of society. In, in my role of work, I sometimes get younger people who are sick enough that, that need to come into hospital um, but can't because they've got a young one at home with no one else to look after them or they're looking after an older relative and, and there's no one else around. So I think it, it's something that's um, unfortunately in, in our society. But I promised I'd go on to a, a good story. Um, I don't know, does anyone remember the book Boundaries? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a Christian book. Um, helped a lot of people in the 90s, maybe. Uh, anyway, it was written by a couple of Christian psychologists. One of them was Henry Cloud. Um, and he's, he's written a book, and in it he describes uh, his early years. So he entered college in, US, in the US on a golfing scholarship. Um, he was apparently a crash-off golfer as a teenager. Um, and he was earmarked for a really good professional career uh, in golf. Unfortunately, he developed a recurrent wrist problem and that ended his career two years into the US college system. In his words, I looked at the various interests and majors only to arrive at a deep emptiness and sense of darkness regarding the future. I felt alone. I'd had a few failed dating relationships, but I quickly slipped into loneliness uh, and depression. Uh, now, he'd had a bit of a church background, and he, he prayed to God to help. And he says he expected a sort of a zap from God, but the zap didn't come. But a couple of days later, the phone rang, and it was someone on his floor in the college inviting him to a Bible study group. So he started going along to the Bible study group. Someone in the Bible study group introduced him to an older couple who took him under their wing um, and discipled him intensely for a couple of years. He also started going to a, to a broader church. Over time, his depression was healed. His darkness about the future had given way to a hope. Someone along the line noticed he was really gifted in counselling and particularly he was gifted in applying scripture to counselling situations. So eventually he became a Christian counsellor um, and he served God faithfully for, for his life and, and through his practice and his books he, he brought God's healing to, to thousands of people. Um, so that was obviously a much better story uh, than the first one. But I just thought maybe we could take five minutes or so um, and perhaps just talk about um, different groups of community or people or situations in your life, either, either good examples or, or bad examples. It doesn't have to be church community, it could be sporting clubs or other, other groups. Um, good, good, bad examples. So if we could all just chat about that for a while.
Okay, how'd we go? Um, some people like to let us know what they're talking about? Or? We, list, we listed a bunch of communities that we're aware of and things like um, church and the multiple communities even within the church and our families, personal families, extended families, work, school, uni, community, Zumba, golf, friends, demographic communities, neighbourhoods and stuff like that, Christian communities like the broader Christian community, 12-step communities or support groups, international communities and communities in places like prisons and stuff. And we liked how we sort of thought of the nice ones first. And then once, you know, we got all excited and then we were thinking harder and we came up with the ones that maybe are, you know, still very needed communities, but places where people could. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> 
Fantastic. Excellent. Anyone else like to share? We're first of all not talking about admins and uh, you know how we have a responsibility to reach out to others. Um, how the role is that may seem, but we're thinking that we're just talking that if God puts someone on your mind that you haven't seen the same it's really the Holy Spirit talking to you and you should maybe contact that person and make sure for the role being on that. Yeah, great. And someone else would like to say the good things. Oh yeah, I was just uh, talking how church has been important. So for them coming here, they were really well uh, received by the people. In my case, Southport Church of Christ, when I first came to this country, I was, it was really positive and I integrated straight away. So. We, we talk a little bit about how um, bad community is not necessarily loneliness. There might, there might be aspects, there might be people in community, but it's not a healthy community. Mm -hmm. And you guys, you had a group of young adults, Discussion. Um, we 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 know that community is is, is what God is about. Um, in Genesis one twenty six, right at the beginning of the Bible, uh, God says, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." Um, so even right at the beginning, there's this um, this message that that God in Himself is a perfect community, and He's made us to be like Him. Uh, as in a community. If we fast forward uh, to Jesus, uh, there's a section in, in the Gospel of John where, where Jesus is praying for his disciples um, and he's also praying for the people that come after him. So it's John 17, 21 to 23. Uh, I do not ask for these only, that's the people in front of him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And I think that's all of us subsequently. 
that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I are in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Um, I think that's just a fantastic prayer, and it just shows that being at one with each other and one with God is, is at the very heart, the very nature of God. Um, but the amazing thing from that passage is it also says that when we do live at one with each other and one with Him, we're actually witnessing to the world that, that God sent Jesus and that God um, loves the world. So it's no wonder the writer of Hebrews said, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. Um, and so just for the last part, I'd just like to, to look at one aspect of, of meeting together and um, looking a bit about how Jesus did community. Um, just thinking back to that story about, about Henry Cloud, do you remember the sort of... Um, the sort of things that he that, that came into his life, the sorts of social spaces that were in his life, does anyone remember? Oh. Yes, yep, he was in the college. Um, he um, had a couple couple came and discipled him, um, and he he joined a small group and, and he was part of a, a church. Um, so it's no wonder that that turned out as well as it did because what he actually did and I know he wasn't consciously doing it but in his life he'd set up the very same community spaces that Jesus did um, when he was on earth um, so Jesus attended large gatherings um, the Sermon on the Mount teaching crowds by a lake going into gatherings at the synagogues um, this would be equivalent to our, our large church services, some of the wider church gatherings. Um, so, so what would be called large community spaces. Um, he also had 12 disciples and he, he lived and basically lived his life with, with 12 disciples. So that's, that's like a smaller group. Um, he taught them, shared life with them, encouraged them, even confronted and corrected them uh, when, when required. Um, but he also had a smaller, intimate group. Um, and I'm talking about Peter, James and John, who were three, three disciples within that group. And we are given some insights as to, uh, as to how that, that group was, was there. Um, there was one instance we call the Transfiguration, where, where Jesus took Peter, James and John aside from the others and took them up on top of a hilltop. And it was a dramatic and I'm sure it was a precious time for Peter and James and John as they saw Jesus transfigured into his, his full glory. Um, and there was a prophet, uh, Elijah and Moses there, and they even got to hear the very voice of, of God. Um, so that was one instance. Another instance, he, he took them into a room. He just pulled them aside into a room to pray for one of the sick people, for one of the healings. And right near the end of his life at the Garden of Gethsemane, 
He was with the disciples. Um, this was just before he was about to, to go to the cross and, and die on the cross. Um, and he pulled Peter, James and John over a little bit closer to him and said, just, just wait there um, while I pray. Um, so, so Jesus models for us um, these types of community spaces uh, to, put, to put in place. Um, when, when I think back, uh, a lot of my early church was, was probably only the service, um, only the large gathering, and that you know, large gatherings are fantastic for for worshiping together, um, for for hearing a message. I mean, there's a, there's a particular energy of, of a lot of people gathering in, in the spirit, worshiping God and hearing the word together. So, so large large gatherings are fantastic for that. Then later in the church experience, uh, we experienced small groups. Um, Miriam and I went to Perth when Isabella was only six months old. Uh, we knew no one in Perth and um, at that particular church, someone came over to us in the car park and said, Look, would you like to come and join our home group? Um, and at that time for us, the, the home group was just amazing. It provided help and support and relationships and we learned about God together um, and it was fantastic. Um, later on in life, you know, I went through a couple of things with, with cancer and it was just wonderful to have this support uh, and relationships that the home group uh, provides. Um, so that, that, that would be more the sort of discipleship space that, that Jesus had. And I guess over the last few years, um, Southport, we've been working on sort of this smaller, um, intimate group. Um, and I, I guess I discovered that's a great format for things like developing a, a consistent, faithful prayer life or um, developing a really healthy process of making decisions. Um, things like... Um, where you can have a process of observation and discussion and planning and support. Um, for me, developing a faithful prayer life, a consistent faithful prayer life in the model of the Lord's Prayer took two or three months and it was a, a lot of talking and support. Um, other things, building a healthy rhythm of, of rest and work, um, working through, through forgiving others. These sorts of things do really well in that, that small intimate uh, intimate space um, and so I guess I and we Miriam and I have experienced that that wisdom of Jesus of putting those three three spaces uh, into place and, and we're very thankful for for the people that have brought those spaces uh, in um, so I guess as we finish up I guess as we as we share our, our meals together if we could perhaps just, just talk about your experience with those sort of community spaces in, in church over the time, and, and have a think about um, about where where you're currently at with those sort of spaces. Um, and just one final plug for our community, because could I encourage us um, to to regularly pray for our community, our faith community here, um, and also with those prayers to 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 really give thanks to God daily or weekly, just, just regularly give thanks to God for our community. Alright. Okay, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the discussion.